0: Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. Really want to thank you for tuning in. And I wanna invite you to outcomesrocket.com slash reviews where you could leave a rating and review for this podcast. So without further ado, I wanna introduce our outstanding guest. Her name is Lisa Soonan. She's a senior managing director for healthcare and GE ventures and so she's also a writer and blogger and podcaster at Venture Valkyrie and so she's done a lot of things you guys are probably very familiar with who she is but what I want to do is welcome Lisa to the podcast and then have her fill in any of the gaps in, in the intro that I may have missed Lisa welcome
1: hello there well, that's about that about covers it. I do all kinds of other crazy stuff, but uh that's the main the main day jobs.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're up to some really cool things. And so I always love to ask why did you get into healthcare to begin with?
1: You know, it wasn't really an intention. I was working in the tech world. This is back, you know, in the eighties. I was finding it frankly pretty boring. It's all pre internet kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And um talked to my dad who had been a healthcare entrepreneur, was a healthcare entrepreneur, and he said, you know, there's some really interesting healthcare companies. You might find that more inspiring. And I he hooked me up with a guy he knew, CEO of a company and uh the rest is history.
0: Wow. That's pretty cool. You know, and, and it sounds like your dad kind of had the the roots in the healthcare entrepreneurship. Yeah. And you just kind of led that way, and you haven't looked back since.
1: Uh, I look sideways every once in a while, but no, not
0: too far. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I love it. I love it. And so you're doing some really cool things at, at GE, moving and shaking with your own podcast. I have tuned into it. Great. Some really great, great conversations, listeners. I'll I'll include a link to Lisa's podcast on the show notes for this one, so you could listen because pretty called high. Tectonics. <laughs> yep, that's right. It's called Tectonics. And so take a listen. She's doing some really cool stuff there too. Um, Lisa, what do you think out of all the things that are going on in healthcare is a hot topic that should be on every medical leader's agenda today?
1: Well, I think a lot of people would expect me to say technology stuff, and there is a lot of technology stuff going on, and, and I'm glad for that. But I also think that one of the most important things that we could really pay attention to is figuring out how to systematize, productize, and simplify the access to the social determinants of health. Things around housing, nutrition, transportation—you know—and other related categories that, frankly, have far more impact on the cost of healthcare than do many things that we attribute the cost of healthcare to. Um, and so, while I am a big fan of technology and healthcare and excited about a lot of things, that's probably this, the number one most impactful thing we could do is expand our view of precision health to include an entire patient's life.
0: I think that's really interesting. And you know, the first thought that comes to mind, Lisa, I, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this and one of the things that you've probably very aware is when companies get into this space, oftentimes they're faced with the problems of who pays for it? And when you talk about the social determinants of health, right. who pays for it?
1: Well it's a t- that's, you know, obviously the the sixty four thousand dollar question as it right. were, and I think in a system that's a closed or fully at risk, capitated type of system, the answer is easy. It's the payer. Right. Because frankly, the downstream cost of not attending to these issues is so high. You know, if a patient needs to get in for services and treatment, but they have no transportation, it's going to be more expensive to take care Mm -hmm. of them. If they can't get access to behavioral health services, keep themselves stabilized, they're not going to take care of their diabetes or heart condition. Right. So it's really easy when the financial interests are aligned. When they're not, it's tough, you know, and the truth is the same. But in the end, I think ultimately, who's ever at financial risk for the program, for the person, for the the member, whomever it may be, is who should pay for it if they're looking to reduce healthcare costs and improve outcome.
0: Yeah. And just kind of diving deeper into that, Lisa, the thought is, okay, well, maybe these patients where now they're being tagged with readmission fees, right, the provider. So maybe that's... And yeah, so I just, it's a really great idea, and uh, just thinking through, it could be really impactful. Do you know anybody doing cool stuff in the space right now?
1: I do actually, I think there's a couple companies like Healthify, and NowPow, and Consejo Sano, who are doing, finding ways to create for-profit business models out of these things. Companies like Caremore, the health plan. Oh yeah. They're doing some incredible stuff, particularly around loneliness, which, Mm frankly is considered to be more deleterious to bad health than smoking wow among elder populations
0: that's very interesting
1: yeah there's a lot of a lot of work been done about that you know so there's some really great programmatic work being done out there there's a great organization called health leads which has been working on this for years so I, you know there's a lot of good stuff it's just not widespread yet and scalable and i think some of these organizations are trying to figure out how to solve for that
0: yeah for sure no there's some great examples, and definitely listeners, take a look at these companies because if you're exploring the space, if anybody knows companies doing good things, it's Lisa and so take a look at those uh, for sure i'll provide links in the in the show notes too. but Lisa, give us an example of how you maybe at g e or or through your your own you know podcasting, are seeing outcomes improvement through the things that you 're doing
1: well, I think that our goal at G-Ventures is to invest in things that align incentives, improve outcomes, and reduce cost for so all, all parties involved. We are really excited, for instance, about Sciaps, which is a company that I uh, I did interview the CEO, Ken Tarkoff, on my podcast recently. They combine data from EMRs and, and genomic data and the like to help Identify what's the most effective, likely treatments for cancer patients. Very, you know, personalized medicine approach. Yes, I think that's a good example of that. We're working with another company called Health Reveal, which uses, you know, similarly large, you know, quantities of data from disparate sources to identify patients who are not getting treated in accordance with best practices of evidence-based medicine. You can identify people who might be very likely to have a stroke or a heart attack or something, and intervene with them before. Those horrible things happen, which obviously saves money, but more importantly saves lives. lives. Yeah. So you know that's a big focus of what we do, and to the extent we can identify those types of things that align incentives for patient, payer, and provider, those are things we look for.
0: I love that. Those are really great examples, Lisa. And it's so great that you're doing this, you know, having these people on your show, having these conversations, because uh, half the battle is breaking down the silos in communication and in healthcare. And so kudos to you for taking Thanks. that big step. So maybe you could share with us, Lisa, you've done a lot in healthcare of a time when you had a setback or a failure. And what you took out of that? What pearls of wisdom you took out of that?
1: Well, I mean, those of us who've been inventor have had numerous setbacks and failures. Um, the odds of all of our companies succeeding are pretty low. And I think about one, for instance, along the way that was doing, actually it was kind of focused on the social determinants thing, ironically. It was, okay. but, and cancer was focused on giving ancillary services to cancer patients like physical therapy, nutrition counseling, financial counseling, behavioral counseling you know, things that address the side effects of having cancer and being treated for cancer. And it was set up kind of as an in-clinic model uh, within physician offices, within cancer clinics, you know, particularly in the community, sometimes in hospitals. And it failed. And I was really upset by that because I really believed that what they were doing was good. And it was clearly good. I mean, there was no dispute as to whether it was helpful to patients. Mm -hmm. Patients loved it. Yes. But physicians... Just the, the oncologists at the time, and this is now probably 10 years ago, sort of early on, when in the discussion of paying for some of the social determinants types of stuff or the ancillary services type of stuff, I think it's more common now, uh, particularly at the, the NCI cancer centers and the like. Physicians just couldn't remember to refer to it, didn't bother to refer to it, you know, and I think part of it was workflow it didn't exactly fit in the workflow
0: yeah
1: but part of it was frankly it didn't add real revenue to their practices and that you know stood in the way of success yeah. and um, it really taught me about how how important that aspect of it is not totally. just the workflow i knew about the workflow aspect we'd we worked hard on that we obviously didn't get it right but also the financial incentive alignment I and mean, that was a stark example because you're doing something you know is good but you can't can't get people to refer to it in part for financial reasons, they just didn't make any real revenue from it. And while they didn't lose money from it, it just you know they didn't care enough.
0: yeah, Lisa, that's such a great, great lesson, and uh, listeners, something to consider as you as you dive into your business ideas or if you're looking to implement something into your hospital. Lisa brings in some really great examples, this company that just the heart was there but the money and the incentives weren't truly aligned. And it's something that you really have to make sure is yep. aligned. Yep. You know, Lisa, one of the things that comes to mind when we talk about aligned incentives is the implementation of, of capnography to avoid uh, respiratory compromise in hospitals. And I'll tell you what, you know, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that should be done but Mm -hmm. frankly is not done everywhere. And it's just an example of you got to make sure you find a way to either bake it into the order set of the physician or otherwise find a financial incentive because otherwise it's not happening.
1: Yeah. Well, there's many examples of things like that, unfortunately. And until we have a system where the financial alignment is ubiquitous, we will continue to find examples of things like this. Totally. Lisa, okay,
0: so that's one side of the coin. Let's look at the other side, the much more bright and amazing side, the stuff that you do. What are your proudest moments to date in what you do?
1: We'll give you a not-what-you-probably-expect answer, but my proudest moments are really two things that come to my mind immediately. One is um, that my daughter told me not that long ago, my daughter's in college, that she appreciated that I was a role model for her. Aww. And I know that's like, ah, but it, you know, it really meant something to me that I was always the mom that worked among many moms that didn't around me and that I felt really uh, committed to that. And I did what I could to be with her, of course, but that I felt it was important to have a career and to, de- to model that for her. And, and she all the guilt that I felt all those years not being around for the whatever programs at school. I think that all washed away with that discussion from her. I really ah, feel great. So, um, so that was one thing. Um, the other thing is now, you know, being uh, of a certain age and not uh, in my 20s anymore, I spent a lot of time advocating for women and strictly women in leadership and health care. And I, you know, appreciate that people look up to me for that and that I've been able to do something active and create a company called C-Sweetener for mentoring of women in leadership and healthcare. That's been taking awesome. off and I, you know, that people respond to it and feel excited about it. And uh, it's very gratifying. I mean, it's of course gratifying to invest in a great company and see them succeed. And that's incredibly gratifying. But some of this other stuff has been super exciting too.
0: Totally. And you know what? It's so wonderful. Thanks for sharing that, Lisa. I'll have to replay this part of the podcast for my wife. because <laughs> And she does get these feelings of guilt. And, oh, and I yeah. say, babe, you're doing an amazing job. Just, just trust me, you are. And so I'm hoping that my son, when he grows up, he can say the same thing he said to you. And- I yeah, I'm going to give him some guidance. <laughs> so, thanks for sharing that, and and the other organization, uh, I wasn't aware of that one, Lisa, that you uh, started that. So, that's yeah. uh, very encouraging to hear that you have a movement like that in place.
1: Yeah, it's a company called C Sweetener. You can find it on the web. It's like and a bit of a Match dot com.
0: What? Why the name? Like, that's a really interesting name.
1: It was uh, a play on the word C Sweet, because the target women who are. Oh, for okay. Women in the C-suite who are you know, either in the C-suite or near to the C-suite and to make it a sweeter experience, hence the name. And nice. uh, I like that. It's, it's kind of a match.com model where you, women can sign up as mentees. It's for women who are you know, awesome. senior level and match with mentors through batching that's both skill-based and interest-based as well as personality-based. Wow. Uh, with mentors who've signed up and committed time who are extremely experienced people, both men and women, dedicated to helping women find more in their careers.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Definitely another one we'll have to check out, listeners. So if you find yourself as as somebody that can give mentorship or you want to receive mentorship, uh, your lady wanting to receive mentorship, please visit. But if the mentors could be men and women, right? Yes, if- the
1: mentors could be men and women. I mean, we okay. really feel strongly that if men don't participate in the change, it will never kind of occur. troubling,
0: yeah, for sure. Oh, that's so great. So listeners, you'll have a link to that too. Lisa, doing some amazing things. Tell us about just an exciting project you're working on today.
1: Well, I think we're starting to do a, you know, GE, where I work, is um, very much a leader in 3D printing broadly. And we're starting a project on the investing side to, to really focus in on where the opportunities are gonna be to make a material difference, in no pun intended. Yeah, if, I was just
0: going to say you
1: know, that. <laughs> 3D printing world applied to healthcare.
0: Nice.
1: I'm very excited about that. I, I feel like that could have, it's early in the 3D printing application to healthcare, but I see how it could have really a big impact over time. And, you know, and we want to be at the front of that.
0: Oh, wow, that's really exciting. And so if you had to say one thing that, that's exciting, say 10 years from now in that space, what is it? What the prospect of fill in the blank.
1: Printing skin, printing organs, printing bone—the
0: biological yeah. side of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, we're already using it for, for some things in healthcare, mm-hmm. at least experimentally. But boy, can you imagine how many you know lives could be saved if you could could do some of those things and use organic products in the body? It'd be great.
0: Yeah, no, that'd be really great. No more donor wait lists. Yeah. Or imagine
1: There's... if you could print a, val- a heart valve, you know, yeah. that fit properly. Oh, amazing. And it was made of natural material.
0: Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yep. Well, super interesting. Definitely, Lisa, the list goes on and on on what you do. And so appreciate you kind of getting those little gems out to the listeners. Sure. All right. Getting to the end here. What we're okay. going to do, Lisa, is you and I, let's just pretend we're building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine. It's the 101 or the ABCs of Lisa Sunan. And it's a syllabus right now, four questions, lightning round style, followed by the book that we'll add for our listeners. You ready? Yes. All right. So what's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes?
1: Design products and services that really align incentives, particularly financial ones, and focus deeply on the clinical side of that. I mean, without clinical depth, it doesn't go anywhere.
0: What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid?
1: Hiring weak people.
0: Oof. That's so great. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change?
1: Never stop learning. I mean, I think you have to not believe your own BS. You have to always assume other people are smarter and you have to like go seek out information all the time.
0: What is one area of focus that should drive everything else in your organization? Creating value for patients. And finally, Lisa, what book would you recommend to the listeners here on this syllabus?
1: Now, in an age where data is becoming more and more important, I love to recommend Moneyball. It is about baseball. It has nothing to do with healthcare, Yeah, but the analogies are terrific, I think, and the the cleverness in which data was applied to make decisions about teams, about strategy, you know, in a way that nobody really had written about before. Plus, it's funny as hell. It's a great book. (laughs)
0: Lisa, so I've seen the movie. Does it differ from the book much?
1: it's a lot more in depth about the how they use data it's a lot okay. more wonky in a way yeah but it's still absolutely fun to read and applied You know, and I I really,
0: plus I'm a big baseball fan. So, you know. Love it. Oh, didn't know that about you. Very cool. Listeners, so there you have it. Moneyball, along with the answers to the syllabus, you could find everything on the show notes. Just go to outcomesrocket.com slash Lisa S. And you're going to be able to find everything that we just talked about today right there. So Lisa, before we conclude, I just want to invite you to share a closing thought with the guests and then the best way that they could get a hold of you or follow you.
1: The best way to follow me is at VentureValkyrie.com on my website. You can sign up for my blog or you can follow me on Twitter at VentureValkyrie. And my closing thought is if you don't ask, you don't get. Go out there in the world and ask for what you need. You know, find partnerships, ask for help and ask for opportunity. It's amazing what you get when you ask.
0: What a great message, Lisa. And listeners, be sure to ask. And again, be sure to visit us at outcomesrocket.com slash reviews. Let us know what you think. Lisa, just want to say thank you so much once again for spending time with us.
1: you. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast.